Good morning, everyone. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to this next installment in our series where we're beginning off the beginning the year, starting off the year in 2015 uh, with a series entitled Life Plus Jesus is Better. It equals better. That's an equation for success in life because uh, we're taking all of our notes in this series, all of our instruction from a sermon that Jesus gave. It's his most famous sermon. It was a sermon that he delivered while sitting on a hillside. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in According to Matthew's gospel, Jesus sat down and instructed his followers on how he wants us to live. So if I want to have a better life in 2015 than I've ever had, well then, I need to follow Jesus' instructions. He's the son of God, and he knows a lot about life. In fact, he's the originator of life, and he wants us to live the best life possible. And today, we're inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled, it follows this equation kind of logo again, of life minus worry equals better. Life minus worry is better because Jesus told us not to worry. If you think that's a good idea, would you say amen? Yeah, some of you are going to take notes. You're ready to think about how to mail this to your friend or to your mom or to somebody else. Uh, because worry is a big problem for a lot of us. If you need a pen to take some notes, raise your hand. One of the ushers will pass a pen to you. Because this is something that's a, a big issue for us. And I want to jump in before I have a word of prayer at all. I just want to uh, start with point one. Worrying is a waste of time. Worrying is a waste of time. Jesus said so. We're going to be looking at a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. And um, I took verses 25, 27, and 34. I'll fill in the rest of the verses as we go along. You'll see why I did this. Um, and the whole idea is to, that Jesus wanted to make it very clear that this was not a profitable use of time to spend time worrying. He said, I tell you not to worry about everyday, everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And if you'd underline that last little sentence, please. Today's trouble is enough for today. Would you repeat that with me, please? Today's trouble is enough for today. One more. Today's trouble is enough for today. Oh, that's so true. But boy, we can get in such a habit of worrying that everything, even if it's okay, we go, it's quiet. Too quiet. Okay? I got to be worrying about tomorrow. I know I got enough for today, but who knows about tomorrow? Yeah, I know the kids are in college, but what are they going to do when they need a job? Oh, my goodness. And then they get married. Well, when are they going to start to have kids? Got to pray about that. Got to worry about that. And when they have kids, they're going to learn to drive. Oh, my goodness. Now we got to worry for years. Okay, we got to worry. And you and I can fill up our minds with stress and anxiety. And what I would tell you is worry is an optional problem. It's an optional misery in this world. There are a lot of miseries that you and I will go through in this world. Worry is an optional one. We don't have to do this. And that's why Jesus says, don't do it. Don't worry. It's a waste of time. It doesn't, Jesus said here, he says, look, if you worry about tomorrow, can you add a second to your life by worrying? No. In fact, a lot of times we worry about things that never even happen. I remember over the holidays, somebody came and told me they had been at a party where I was and some other things, and they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I really hurt your feelings about this. I, you know, I was, couldn't even sleep. I was so worried about how this, I saw how down you were and other things. I was going, what are you talking about? And they, had, they said something they had said to me, and it just wasn't phrased right, and they saw now how I could have interpreted that, and I go, I don't even remember what you said. And they were telling me, so they said, well, why did you look so down? I said, well, I came to that party straight from a funeral. I mean, I'm not bubbly after that, okay? You know, that happens. And they went, oh. 
And that's happened to all of us before. We are convinced that somebody's mad at us. We are convinced this whole thing is terrible. We are convinced that we're doomed. And we find out, no, actually, it was just Tuesday. No, I don't even know what you're talking about. You've heard me share this before, but I'll remind you again. Mark Twain said, he's famous for saying this. He said, I've been through some terrible things in my life, and some of them actually happened. And if we consume ourselves with worry, oh my goodness, we can just get eat up with pain and anxiety. That's all optional. So I'm going to have a word of prayer that God is going to teach us something about worry. Jesus said not to do it, and the scripture gives us some wonderful instructions of how to overcome it. And so I want to share that with you this morning, these insights. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that um, we're able to be at multiple places, at Pike Road and Cloverdale and Wetumpka and here in Prattville where I am this morning. And I pray, Lord, that your word would go out everywhere and that you would remind all of us not to worry. I sure can waste a lot of time worrying. And Lord, I have wasted a lot of time worrying, worrying about things I said or shouldn't have said or problems that never even will come about. Just in a moment of silence before I say another word, would you pray, Lord, I want you to speak to me about this because I don't want worry to consume me in my life. I want a better life in 2015 than I had in 2014. Please help me not worry so much. We pray these things, Lord. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, amen. Jesus said worry is a waste of time. It also reveals to us, point two, that worry reveals that we really don't trust God. This is one of the things that staggered Jesus' mind. People who claimed they loved God, yet they worried. Lived like unbelievers. It's covered under point A. God promises to provide for our needs. These are the rest of the verses in that Matthew 6 passage. Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more, far more valuable to him than they are? And why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory wasn't dressed as beautifully as they are. And why do you have so little faith? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Please underline that. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Why? Because they don't believe God will provide. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. And this is an act of faith. But we live by faith. And so our worry all the time is, I won't have enough, I won't have enough. And, the Lord, and Jesus said, man, if you want to waste time always worrying about tomorrow, does that mean that we never store up anything for the future? Of course not. What it does mean, though, is we don't sit there and worry about the future. There's a big difference. God promises to provide for our needs, and Jesus marveled at the fact that people could say all the right things theologically and know all the right verses, but then live like pagans. Live like somebody who doesn't believe in God at all in practical life. God will provide for our needs. He promises to. Point B, God also promises to guide us. Another big worry in our lives is, okay, well, even if God provides me, I won't know which way to go. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Problem isn't God's guidance. The problem is like, I'm like a senseless horse or a mule, and so are you. We're the ones that when God clearly makes it the right way to go, we go, I, I don't want to do that. But if we want guidance, oh, he gives it. He'll give us all the guidance we want if we'll just ask. 
And so Jesus says, why would you worry about these things? God's promise is to guide you. In fact, he told his disciples, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. That's a promise from Jesus. We ask Christ into our life. He says he's, he will put the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit sharpens our consciences so that when we do things wrong and sinful and foolishly, it grieves him and grieves us. He opens our mind to scripture so we read the words and they just jump off the page. And we go, oh, that's what I need to know. He surrounds us with other believers. If we surround ourselves with other believers, he speaks to them as well. I mean, it's amazing how God will guide us. So then why do we worry? Because I don't trust that he's going to do that. Has he guided you in the past? Yeah. Like 47 years in a row? Yeah, but I'm 48 now. Now what? Well, we'll keep trusting. He's still guiding. God promises to provide. God promises to guide. God promises to always be with us. I'm reminding us of these things because the scripture makes this clear. I could have put dozens of references under each of these points, by the way. So if you have a favorite reference for one of these points, you say, you didn't mention this one, you can send it to me, but my goodness, you should see how many verses I had to leave out just so I could fit this in the outline. There are lots more. But God promises to be with us. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, I am with you. This is God speaking to his people. Do not anxiously look, anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, that's good news. That's good news to you this morning. Would you say amen? amen? Yeah, for those of you watching by video, we all said amen here. I hope you said amen there too. God promises to uphold us. He promises to be with us. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, David wrote, he's speaking about the Lord here, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Even when I go through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid because God goes with me. As a Christian, we're not exempt from hard times in our lives. Jesus never said that. He just wants us to be exempt from worry. I'll go with you. I'll help you. My righteous right hand will protect you. The disciples were commissioned by Jesus to go and spread the good news of his coming into the world, dying on the cross for our sins, rising from the dead, empowering us to live life as we should. He said, I want the whole world to know that. I want you guys to go tell them. That would seem like a daunting assignment to me. And he told the disciples this, but he ended with a really encouraging thought. Listen to this. This is from Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen to that again. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said he'd be with us. He's with us. So God will provide, God will guide, and God will go with us. That's a big worry about us. Well, I'll be all alone. I won't have enough. I won't know which direction to go, and I won't have anyone to, to go with me. And God says, well, I'm always with you. I never sleep. I never slumber. I'm never afraid. And David said, man, that is comfort to me. When I walk through the darkest valley, you go right beside me. Your rod and your staff. And the rod is like a shepherd. That's a club brain all the wolves and tigers and stuff. You're going to protect me on this. And that brings us to the next one here. God, point D, God promises to protect us, fight for us. 
Prophet, we sang about this a little bit ago. I mean, there are so many psalms that talk about this. One of the great songs in the Bible is from Exodus 15. Moses and the children of Israel have just crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Pharaoh and his soldiers chased in after him. God parted the Red Sea. The Israelites crossed on dry ground. They got to the other side. And when Pharaoh and his charioteers chased into the, uh, right down that same path, the water closed in over them, drowned them all, destroyed the entire army. Destroyed them all. And the Israelites were on the other side, and they, as the sun's coming up, they watch all their enemies completely decimated. And they cheered, and Moses sang. And here's the song he sang. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. The Lord is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. God fights for us. God promises to protect us. Psalm 115, 11, All you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. Could have put in many more references. The Lord is like a strong tower. It, those who come to him, they'll be safe. It's like running into a strong tower. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our shield. He's our protector, our deliverer. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I cannot stress how good this is to know. But I'm worried about danger all the time. Am I safe? Am I secure? And so are you. And we can worry ourselves sick about this stuff. And the Lord says, well, why don't you talk to me about that? I'll provide. I'll guide. I'll go with you. I'll protect you. But wait, there's more. I feel like one of those infomercials. Call now and you'll get even another promise. You flip your outline over. Point E, God promises to keep working on us. And if you cross out the us and write me, or you could write your name there. God promises to keep working on John. He keeps wor- promising to work on you. Because even if we believe, okay, well, I believe God will provide. I believe God will guide. That's not my problem. The problem is me. I just don't think that I'll ever amount to much. Well, you're wrong. God has a plan for your life and my life, and he's working on us. And the scriptures tell us so. Philippians 1 and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Philippians 2, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Did you know that God is working in you? He's working on you. I love seeing what a difference God has made in some of your lives. Some of you, I know you pretty well, and I've seen God change you in significant ways over the last three, four, five years. I have people that meet me, and we haven't, met, we haven't talked in 10 years. I caught up with an old friend recently, and we talked for a while. I said, wow, John, God has really changed you in some significant ways. I bet your wife is glad. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, she is. It encouraged me to know that he could tell the difference over time. Sometimes I'm so discouraged because I'm, I'm aware of all my faults and foibles and bad habits and wrong thinking. But you know what really encourages me? Promises like these, that God's not giving up on me. God's not giving up on you. He's working on you. And if you and, all, if you and I will cooperate and not be like a stubborn horse or a mule, it'll go even faster. Now, it doesn't mean it's all going to be peaches and cream. James 1 reminds us, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, that's when your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. 
When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Sometimes God uses hard things in our lives to help us grow up. Sometimes he uses blessing. Sometimes he uses difficulty. The important thing is to remember he's always working on us. And that encourages me. So I don't need to worry. Well, maybe I won't know the direction. Well, God will guide me. Maybe I won't have enough. God will provide for me. I don't know if I'm safe and secure. God says he'll watch out for me. I don't know if I'm up to the challenge. God's working on me. And now you know why Jesus said, why do you worry? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God's working on you today. God's providing for you today. God's protecting us today. It's all true. So why do we worry? Well, that brings us to point three. Here are three reasons I think we worry a lot. A, worry is a consequence of having a fallen nature. Ever since the Garden of Eden, people have been worrying. In the Garden of Eden, God provided for Adam and Eve, took care of everything for them. All they had to do was depend on him. In fact, he only gave them one commandment for them not to violate, and that was not to eat of the fruit off of one tree in the center of the garden. They could eat the fruit off of millions, a billion other trees, just not that one, because he wanted them to trust him and him alone, that he would look out for them, that he was God and they were not. And that's exactly what Satan tempted them to do, to violate that command and to say, nah, I think I'll be God. In fact, that's what he told them. He said, God's keeping the best from you. He's holding out on you because the day you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. And boy, did they know the difference between good and evil. They experienced evil. They knew that they had had it good before. They were cast out of God's presence and into a harsh world where they had to provide for themselves and scratch a living from the ground. Oh. Ever since then, we've been doing the same thing. See, if God's God, then he'll provide. If I'm God, then I have to provide. If God's God, then he promises to protect. If I'm God of my own life, well, then I've got to figure out my own protection. If he's God, he'll guide me. If I'm God of my own life, I've got to figure it out on my own. Oof. He said, Jesus said, that's the way pagans live. That's the way people who live have lived ever since the fall. God didn't intend for us to live that way. He wants us to be dependent on him, and we will find peace when we trust in him. Even when we go through hard times, he'll go with us. Even if it seems like he's delaying, he must have a good reason. Ever since the fall, that's what we've been struggling with. Who's going to be God in my life, me or him? A second reason we worry is because we're often encouraged and trained by others to worry. Trained? Yeah, some of you come from a family with world-class warriors. Your mom could worry the wallpaper off a wall. Your grandma can worry. She, your mom learned it from grandma. And we can worry... Oh, we can worry. And we're encouraged to worry. Well, who's encouraging us to worry? I don't know. Cable news. The internet. I mean, think about how many things we are encouraged to worry about in the last year. Ebola. ISIS. Doesn't matter which political party you're for. If you're a Democrat, the Republicans are going to destroy the place when they take over. If you're a Republican, the Democrats already have destroyed it, and it's all, we're all doomed. It doesn't matter who's president. They're always going the wrong way, depending on which party you align with. 
And what happens is we'll hear about a medical crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis, a war, something else, a terrorist act. We'll hear all these things, and then it ends. At the end of the broadcast, it's not, hey, so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's pray for our leaders who can do something about this. Let's pray for our soldiers who can protect us. Hey, let's pray for each other so we're not afraid. That never happens. What happens is we hear all the bad news, all the terrible things, how it's all going to collapse, and we're all going to die. Good night. See you tomorrow. And then we go to bed and we go, oh, i got to worry. And we don't even pray for our leaders, which the Bible clearly tells us to, because they're the ones who can do something about this. And that's where we get all wrong. So we're encouraged to worry all the time. I, I talked to a guy not long ago. He lowered his blood pressure. He started taking medication. I said, do you do anything else? He said, yeah, my doctor told me to turn off my television after 8 o'clock every night. He said, you'd be a lot better off. Because everybody on every channel is going to try to scare you with something. It's true, isn't it? We live in a day when we are encouraged to be afraid. We are encouraged to worry. And some of us were raised and trained to be that way. This is an optional misery in life. I don't have to be miserable. You don't either. It's optional. Jesus said, don't do it doesn't mean, again, that we stay uninformed. It means that once we know what the problem is, and we'll get to this in a minute, then we need to pray for the people who can actually do something about it. See, a third reason we worry, and I got this from Rick Warren, the guy who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. I heard, this say this, say this, I heard him say this once in a talk. We mistakenly trust in the channel rather than the source when our needs are met. I'll explain this in a second. We mistakenly trust in the channel rather than the source when our needs are met. It goes back to what James said about hard times. We pray for a job. God gives us a job. We work at the job for five or ten years. Then all of a sudden the company closes, and now we lose the job. And we go, oh, no, now I'm doomed. Well, God would say, well, no, you prayed to me the first time about the job, and I got you the job. So when this job dries up, why don't you pray for the next job? The source is still fine. The job was just the channel. We prayed... For a job so I could pay my bills and take care of my family. The job was the channel of God's blessing. Not the source. The source is still fine. And we do this over and over again. We begin to trust in the things that God blesses us with. And if anything happens to that, well now all hope is lost. And we begin to worry. No. The God who provided us with this answer will provide us with another. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will still provide. He will still guide. He will still protect. He's still working on us. And so he asks us to trust him. And Jesus says, so why do you worry? You live like pagans. I mean, imagine this. He's sitting on a hillside talking to his disciples. You guys have all kinds of scripture verses memorized, but you don't believe any of them. Huh. I think he probably just would have shook his head. So here are four suggestions for overcoming worry. I've mentioned this one a couple of times, so I'll start off with it. You and I need to pray. Not just know about a problem, but pray about the problems. Paul said so. He said, look, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The source is still fine. God's not sweating it. I'm the one who gets worried, not him. I'm not God. He is. 
And if there are people elected or there are people in positions in a company or if there are people in positions in my family to do something about it, then I need to pray for them. That God will surround them with the right advisors, that God will lead them. He's working on them too, remember? So we need to pray. Point B, we also need to meditate on God's word. Get some truth in our heads. We can hear a lot of terrible things in our world. People can send us an email. If we don't forward this to 13 people, then bad luck will happen to us. Does anybody ever get these besides me? It's like, what? And yeah, I needed something else to worry about today because now you sent me an email and I'll break my leg if I walk outside if I don't forward this to 39 people. <laughs> Whatever. We need to meditate on things that are true, not crazy stuff like that. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He'll show us the right way to go. He'll speak to us. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. This is Romans 12, 2, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And God wants us to think on things that are true and righteous. He wants our mind to be changed so we don't depend on ourselves and we don't worry about things beyond our control. We pray to God for wisdom and directions for the things we can do, and we pray for God's wisdom and direction for other people who are assigned to do the things we can't. And then I'll have a better life in 2015. Life Jesus' way is better. And he said, don't worry. Worry is an optional misery. I don't want any more misery in my life. I got, Jesus said, each day has enough trouble of its own. Why are you going to go borrow a cup of worry from tomorrow? C, point four C, you and I need to not only pray, Meditate on God's word. We need to keep praying. This isn't something you just do once. You got to keep praying. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Why? Because there's always another problem in life. I studied engineering in my undergraduate degree, and I remember in one of our physics classes, one of the, my classmates asked the professor once, he said, on all of our exams, all of our questions are story problems. Why is that? And the professor just laughed. I remember telling his glasses, he goes, I, I thought by now you guys would have realized that life is a series of story problems. That's what life is. I mean, it's true, isn't it? You pray for a spouse, and then you get married, and then you pray for kids, and you have kids, and then you pray that they'll get in their, they'll learn to walk, and they'll learn to talk, and then you pray that they'll stop talking all the time, okay? You pray you get them in the right school, and then you pray that they'll have the right friends, and they'll get on the right team, and then you pray that they'll grow into healthy, strong teenagers, and then you pray that they'll drive, and then you wonder, why did we pray that they would drive? That's the worst thing we could have ever prayed, and then after you pray that they'll drive, where are you going to go to college, and then who are you going to date, and then where are you going to get a job, and who are you going to marry, and when are they going to have kids, and then we start all over again. I mean, right? Story problem, story problem, story problem, story problem. Keep on praying. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. We need to give thanks, point D, and remind each other of all that God has done for us. We give thanks for how he answered the prayer when the kids were born, how he answered the prayer about the school, how he answered the prayer about whatever it is next. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. 
Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord, my whole heart. I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my uh, me, he redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. So now we're back to where we started. I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is enough trouble for today. Today is enough trouble for today. Would you say that with me, please? Today is enough trouble for today. So let's pray. Now, I don't want you to take just my word for this. Um, you get to hear Shelly and uh, Tommy here in private all the time sing. But uh, the Lord's working on her life, just like he's working on ours. And Shelly sat down in front of a camera this week and told us a little bit about how the Lord helped her overcome worry in her life. Would you watch the screen, please? I'm Shelly Green. I'm the worship leader at Centerpoint in Prattville. And early in life, I discovered that I had a real problem with worry. I worried that I would say the wrong things. I worried what people would think of me. Worried that the things that I would try really hard at doing, that they wouldn't be good enough. I worried that I wouldn't fit in. And as a result, it caused me not to try new things. And I would just be quiet. It really came to a head when I was in junior college. Um, I would walk onto the campus every day and just be gripped with fear. I would sit down in my class and sometimes I had to get up and leave and go in the bath bathroom and just breathe because this wave of anxiety would just flood over me for no apparent reason. People would invite me to go places with them. They'd invite me to go to a basketball game or a football game and I would make up some excuse. I just, I wouldn't go because being around people that I didn't know and, you know, what if I said the wrong thing? What if I didn't fit in? I mean, all of those things just came back um, and would just grip me. During that time, someone shared with me the scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 7, and it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And they also shared with me the story of Jesus when he was tempted, when Satan came to him and he began to say these different things and every time Jesus would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. So what I started doing was I would walk onto that campus every day and I would go to ball games and under my breath, no one knew, but I was just saying under my breath, God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me power and love and a sound mind and this is who I am. So I heard a message that was really life changing for me and the person said there's a difference between feeling fear and being afraid. And it made me realize that though it's natural to have a thought of worrying about something, it's being afraid is when I allow that thought to dictate what I do or what I don't do. And that's the struggle that I had had my whole life is having a thought and not knowing what to do with it, allowing that thought to dictate what I would and wouldn't do. And so I began to put into practice when those thoughts would come, what has God said that I am? What has He said that I can do? Because that is the truth. I've realized that this is a lifelong journey. Um, I don't think we overcome worry once and for all. I think it's something that will always come back, but I have to make the choice of where I set my mind and what I think about and not allowing 
the issues and the circumstances to ever become bigger than the God of the circumstances. And um, the scripture where Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. And that really hit me between the eyes and I am realizing that worry and where I put my mind is a choice that I have to make every day. And for me, being a successful Christian is not pretending that I don't have problems or issues, but for me it's understanding that I'm not powerless, that He's given me His Word and His Spirit, and that's enough. Yeah, you can applaud that. If we're going to have a better life in 2015 than we had in 2014, we just got started in this year. We got to get rid of the worry. Worry is an optional misery. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that Jesus is right. I thank you that he sat down and told us how he wants us to live. And Lord, he wants us to live lives that are free of worry. Lord, we will have problems. And James tells us even to rejoice when we go through some hard times because this will teach us to depend on you more. In a moment of silence right now, if God spoke to you about something, about worry, about anxiety, about not trusting him, whatever it might be, would you pray about that right now and say, God, I'm going to need your help with this. Please give me the desire and the power to live life as you want me to live. Thank you, Lord, that you have never stopped working on me. Keep working on me. Thank you, Lord, that you guide. Thank you, Lord, that you provide. Thank you, Lord, that you promise to always be with me. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. Lord, help me trust you more. I don't want to waste time. Well, Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Empower us now. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.